You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another edition of Black Hollywood Live Next. I'm one of your hosts, Megan Thomas, at Scoop on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere else, Periscope, wherever, you know, you can find me wherever, at your mama house, eating some y'all food in the refrigerator, whatever. This is my amazing, handsome co-host. Who are you? Too kind. Uh, James Ward III, and I'll be at the house that she's at eating all the macaroni and cheese. What? But y'all can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all the like, uh, at James Ward III, that's James Ward III. Yes, and Courtney's not here today. She sends her love to you guys. And also make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media, Black Hollywood or BHL Online. But you can follow the show, follow the conversation with the hashtag BHL Next. Make sure you post your comments below, right down there, or post them on Twitter so we can see your comments, shout you out, because we love shouting our folks out. Um, every week we have somebody amazing. This week is no different. If you've seen Spike Lee's new movie, Chirac, which is I love it. It's a gr- it's it. like, it's a great great movie. Yeah. Then you definitely saw this guy here acting like a little punk <laughs> all up on his mama. Give it up for Wade F. Wilson. What's up, what's up, what's up? What's up, Wade? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm feeling blessed. You did amazing, by the way, as Oedipus. Uh, thank you. Thank you, you did. Man. I was like, yeah, well, punk. Yeah. Uh. I'm a little weirdo in that one, though. Wrong you did good, though. Yeah, you, yeah. Did. <laughs> you, know? you did good. You did good. Well, let's, uh, let's get started. Let's break the ice a little bit. Okay. So we're going to play a game. It's called Word Association. Word I'm going to give you a word. All right. And then you tell me exactly. We'll both give you words, but... Tell me exactly what you think when you hear that word. The first the thought first thing. that comes to mind. Try to keep it like, Ooh. you know, one, two words, not like a whole sentence. Okay. If you got to throw a sentence, fine. But we want it to be like a quick one or two worder. Okay? Okay. Does it make sense? You ready? Yeah. Do it. Oakland. Life. Acting. Happiness. Chicken. Oof, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing. Flexible. Poetry. Spirit. Shy wreck. <laughs> Where that at? <laughs> Oedipus. Freaky. Another Spike Lee. History. Bill Cosby. Coffee. Drake. Music. Jennifer Lopez. Sexy. Eh, okay. Ooga booga. <laughs> we took it there. Scary. <laughs> that is actually a funny movie, but uh, by the way, I looked at the trailer. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get started with some of the news that we have going on in the world. So Beyonce has come out and responded to the backlash that she's received about a, a parent, an apparent movie that's going to be coming out about Hot and Top Venus. Are you guys familiar with Hot and Top Venus? No, I'm not. Yeah. Okay, so like that. in the 1800s, there was a, a woman from South Africa, mm-hmm. and she basically, they 
I don't know, through some people trying to say, hey, you should come and live a better life in London. They got her to go to London, but she became a freak show. Oh. She has a huge booty. She has a shelf booty. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. We've seen women with shelf booties, right. but she has like an extreme Put shelf booty. Put a couple booty. water on it. Yes! Yeah. So, you know, people in London had never seen African people before, or if they did, you know, they hadn't seen one that looked like this. So she was in a circus. Like, she was treated very horribly, and she died at like the age of 26 from like alcoholism and all this stuff. So she lived a really tragic life, and um, there's, if you look on YouTube, you'll see a lot of, she's very well researched and about the stuff that happened with her. And so apparently Beyonce was going to be the screenwriter and also star in the film. Mm-hmm. They didn't say exactly what she was going to do, but she has come out to say that she is not going, she's not attached to it. She's not going to be doing this. So a lot of people are trying to figure out like, okay, was she What's really? And she just like received so much backlash that she like said, oh, it's a rumor. Huh. Or, you know, was it always a rumor? So that's what people are trying to figure out now. Wow. And so, yeah, so the history, they put her on display. It was literally like, like making yeah. a freak show. And um, specifically, I, I remember reading up on it um, years ago. There was a tribe that where apparently all the people in this tribe actually have those features. Shelf, shelf booty. That's what I like to wow. call them, shelf booty. <laughs> they have the shelf booty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, it's the Koi Koi tribe. Yeah, it's like, it's genetic. And, oh, that's you know. that's going to be a song pretty soon. Uh, right. I feel it coming Shelf on. booty. Yeah. She got that shelf booty. Hey. I know, right? So yeah, um, South Africa's chief, Gene Burgess, was the first one that came out. He had the worst backlash opposing Beyonce as the lead or even a part of the movie and he said that she's not worthy to portray... Wow. Uh, the people like the woman they called Hot and Top Venus, whose real name is Sarah Bartman. So we'll see what happens with that. I really do hope they they make that into a movie because a lot of people are like, well, who would even play that? Like that's such a yeah. such a a movie that will just touch you because of how that's a heavy one, right? Right, that's right. A heavy yeah. one. And I did read up too. Um, I think the Griot said that um, Beyonce, part of her opening statement about it was that she does feel the story needs to be told, right? Right. But that she's not the one that's going to be doing it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk. About a little bit more with our girl Beyonce. Well, it's not about her, but it's about her stylist, Ty oh. Hartman. <laughs> so Ty is, if you've seen him on Instagram or any of his social media, he's super, super like selfie. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how glam and fabulous I am. So because he's a selfie lover, he's created a product called the Tie Light. If you look, you can what? see what it is. It's a light for your camera. So now you know how when people take selfies, they don't have that front light. Right. Your friend's gonna be like, "Wait, I got it for you." Right, right, right. So right. somebody has a light. It's just too much. So he came out with this product called the Tie Light, and it's really, really helpful for selfies. And if you look, we have a picture that shows you um, the three different settings. There's Ty right there. Look how fabulous he is. But these are the three settings with the light, and you know you can do. I think it's warm, like brilliant and just like cool whatever I think it's a great great That's great a fantastic idea he's gonna make so much money oh yeah companies are gonna be knocking at his door right and the fact that he's Beyonce stylist just makes it even oh. I'm sure she'll put it on the gram but that's right. how you know you're gonna look good that's the point you right look good. you got Beyonce stylist coming right. up with you I need her that lighting with you all absolutely the all the time all the time all the time <laughs> <laughs> so if you want that it retails for $79.99 and is available for the iPhone 5S 6S plus along with the Galaxy S6 wow Seventy nine ninety nine. I don't know if I'm, I want that like that. I think I think we're gonna do this. Give That's me your great. phone. We're still, we still gonna be doing that. I don't have $79.99. What's going on in the music world? Music. I think you would love this one, Megan. You What's know, up? might have a little hometown love. Bryson Tiller. Oh yes! Bryson, he's from Kentucky. Yeah, he's from Louisville. He, he is. is. I'm from Kentucky. What what? Okay. And so for those that aren't familiar with Bryson Tiller, he's I think he's that one person who you you love him, but you don't know you love him because you he's still branding himself. Right. But when right. you hear that song, his initial debut single, uh, don't 
Right. You're kind of like, when you hear it, you're like, I know this song. Yeah, right? yeah. So we're going to check out this one today. It's from, um, it's a music video for his uh, single, Sorry Not Sorry. Right, right. And um, while they're booting that up, there we go. Um, he actually shows a lot of Kentucky shots in this video, it looks like. Yeah, like, represent Kentucky. <laughs> represent Kentucky. Um, his, his studio album, debut studio album, released in October, and it was number 11 on the Billboard 200. And um, it's called Trap Soul. And I don't know about you guys, but something about Trap Soul speaks to my like inner set, this the ratchet. Like, it's just, yes, like, that's it's right. Just, it's just, it, it's like, speaks, yeah, yeah like, but Trap Soul. So, oh, right. yeah. <laughs> what kind of music do you listen to, Wade? Oh, literally everything. Yeah. Like, everything from country to hip-hop. So are you really? a Coachella person? Huh? You like Coachella? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I love music in general, you know? I mean, everything in between, jazz, classical. I just love music. That's good. That's yeah. good. What's in your car right now? What do you listen to? Right now, I'm listening to some really abstract stuff, because uh, I do a lot of video gaming. Okay. And I have found that video games right now have some of the best soundtracks out there right right the music that they use for these games is incredible so i've been listening to a lot of like all instrumental but really just like moody abstract stuff okay stuff like so you high music basically is what you're saying if that's what you're <laughs> you listening to high music. Okay, gotcha. Don't listen, kids. <laughs> Let's talk about you now, Wade. So I know you're from Oakland, right? Yes. Did you always know you wanted to be an actor? Always. Really? Always, yeah. Um, the first time that uh, I knew, I was eight or nine. I think I was, yeah, I was about nine. I was mm-hmm. nine. And we were doing this um, play at my elementary school. Uh, about the presidents, I mean, classical <laughs> presidential play. But I was playing Amos the Mouse, and he was this mouse that lived in Lincoln's log cabin. Uh-huh. And I had this monologue about him. I remember stepping out on that stage, looking at it, you know, over the whole cafeteria, and just just doing it, and just feeling so alive, and just something about that I knew. I was, right, I right. want to do this. That's good. Um, and then my teacher, uh, Joyce Jones. Uh, went to my mom and was like, yo, I think this kid has talent. Uh, she put me in um, a local uh, theater company called uh, Y'all Young Actors Workshop. And then from there, I just fell going. in love even more. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever wish you grew up in L.A. instead of Oakland just for the acting aspect? Yes and no. It's a yes and no for me. Um, Oakland... And because my family uh, lives in Richmond now, so I was born in Oakland, okay. lived there for a little bit, and then we moved to Richmond. Um, oh, o- Richmond! I'm scared, honey. Yeah, Richmond. You know. Yeah, I heard about Richmond uh, now. Tasha Beck Carter, from the right? game is from Richmond. <laughs> yeah, those two cities ain't nothing to play with. Right, but right, right. That's all other topic. Um, but yeah, I uh, I wanted to grow up in LA because I mean this is just where it happened. So I always mm-hmm. felt like, well, if I grew up here, and you know, I probably would have started earlier and be further in my career. But I would have to say that Oakland and Richmond, like both those cities in combination, they right. humbled me. Right. They humbled That's me. That's good. And I That's needed good. that. That's yeah. good. So then once you got here, so um, you attended Cal State LA, correct? Yes. And you have a degree in television film media studies. Yes. Congratulations. You know, yes. degrees are yeah. great. Um, would you have, what, what advice would you give to aspiring actors? To, to, you know, you, st- you took the time to study your craft. Some people move out here when they're 18. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, you know, what would your best advice be? My best advice would be just... Just delve into it, you know, learn as much as you can about it. I mean, it, it, if it's not something that you've done before, um, if you have done it before, keep on keep on digging. 
Um, it's all about understanding yourself. Right. Mm. You know, it, it's that inner journey. Um, and the thing is, is no amount of class can really, really teach you that inner journey. You gotta, mm. you gotta open up yourself, and you just gotta be open to really go to those dark places, those places that we run from, and just understand who you are, where you came from, and how these things um, make you do what it is that you do. Right. And once you in tune yourself with that, I mean, it doesn't matter what anyone throws at you, you'll be able to identify with it, you'll be able to understand it, and really just make it your own. Right, right. So, that would be my biggest advice. And learn both sides. Because I will say, my TVF degree, gosh, it's it's invaluable. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I knew how to act, and I knew that world, but once I really started understanding how things work behind the camera, what the director's thinking, what the cinematographer's thinking what the lighting guy is doing, right. what the sound guy is. Once all that stuff started coming together for me, it just... Made you a better actor, huh? Yeah. I know. So I know you also are a writer. Mm-hmm. So how does understanding the writing process and being a storyteller, how does that help you be a better actor? It helps you get into the characters more. Okay. And it helps you create more. Um, because then you can start throwing ideas back and forth. Because as you're going through the script and understanding the character through the eyes of the writer, uh-huh. you may start seeing things. And if you understand the structure of how scripts go and how stories go, you can start coming up with ideas that better fit um, the character. Whether it's something that's going to be used in the film or not, you could still use it personally. Right. It'll only help better the overall project that you're trying to present. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of projects, you wrote and directed an original play entitled Inside the Mind of Me. Yes. Right? So, which was nominated actually for a Best Show at the Fringe Festival. Um, Best New Show. Best New Show. Yeah. Got it. Um, what inspired you to write it? So, you know, as an artist, you, you mentioned you bring yourself, right? So, talk a little bit about that. Oh, man, that's so deep, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first interview. It's so deep. Did we get the exclusive? Did we get the exclusive? Yeah, you guys right. the exclusive. No, um, that... Uh, man, where to start with that? In high school... I was going through a little something, something. Um, A lot of death, a lot of tragedy. uh, And a lot of it just had a profound effect on me um, spiritually. Mm. And at this time, I was also kind of learning my own spirituality. uh, Because my family were very, very open. um, And I was always raised to believe, you know, follow your heart. Wherever it takes you, um, that's that's where you want to go. So they never really put anything, uh, any sect on me. It was always just follow your heart and whatever feels right, go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this time I was very trying to find that spirituality. And so then I got hit with this hammer and in it, I started going to church. Um, I started reading up on, uh, different beliefs, uh, and just started learning and learning and learning. And all of a sudden, um, I came to this like understanding. It was like, I had this bright epiphany about, uh, inner light uh, versus darkness. And long story short, I was able to overcome um, that darkness with my newfound understanding. Mm-hmm. So then when I got to college, we started learning about uh, a coma patients mm. and how there are people who have been in a coma for, I mean, any 10 years plus, right. you know, but they still have brain activity. And we started learning about dreams and how when you fall into your REM sequence, uh, you have all these dreams and, you know, you, you could have something so real where it feels like 
you've lived your whole lifetime in just a span of right. three hours, you know? So what is that? So then I got this idea of taking everything that I had went through in high school and saying, well, what if this guy who was in a coma, you know, was going through all that and just kind of living it out, but in his head and, and trying to find a way to wake up by discovering that inner light and mm-hmm. fighting back the darkness. Uh, and then I threw in things like um, one of my past relationships, uh, my ex-girlfriend, so I threw in that whole sequence. So while he's in a coma, um, there's moments where the ex-girlfriend comes in and she's dating his uh, former best friend and they're having conversations and he can oh, kind of wow. hear it. Oh, wow. And it also plays like a big role in what's going on inside of his head. And Oh, that's, oh my goodness. And you like wrote, how old were you when you wrote this? Uh, 17 when I oh started Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then 18 is when I started throwing in the whole coma thing because of, of class and all that stuff. That's really, really good. Yeah, it's... It's a complicated story. No, but that's really dope. I mean, that's We're really complex dope. Complex people. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, you go. there you go. That's really good. And I know you're a poet as well, right? Yes, I am also a poet. Okay, so we have to hear some of your poetry. And then I know you're writing a five book poetry series. What, that that is this series. Yes. What is it about? Okay, so um, the and why five books? You got a lot of poems. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I've been writing for a long time. I've okay. had a, I've had a lot of purging that I've been doing. Right. Um, but the book is called If Oprah Could Hear My Words. Ooh, mm. I'll be saying that all the time. Yes. Right. Oprah, can you hear me? Because we're oh. friends in my head. <laughs> if <That's> Oprah <laughs> could hear my words. <laughs> um, and it follows uh, what I have found to be um, five experiences, uh, five words that represent the human experience. Okay. Um, so the first book is love. The second book is heartbreak. The third book is anguish. The fourth book is Bliss, and the fifth book is Wisdom. Oh. Makes yes. sense. So it's this whole nice. series of growth. But yes, um, I actually do have something with me, too. Oh, that's oh, yes. From I'm the excited. first book, uh, which is Love. And then wait, is it a bunch of poems in each book, or is it like one long poem per it's book? A bo- it's a bunch of poems in each book. So it's okay. about um, 35 to 40. 40 poems in each, in each book. book? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, wow. did, I had to tailor those down what? too. What? You have a lot of poems. Take stuff out because I, I didn't want to bombard people with too much so I feel uh, 40 was a, was a good number. Okay. Good number. Okay. Um, so this one, uh, the love book, it has poems that are just, um, that are about love in general mm-hmm. uh, but it does follow the course of a relationship. So from the, the first time that you meet someone all okay. the way up down to a proposal. Right, right. So, okay. Uh, but this one is just love in general, and it's called Be Not Afraid of Love. I am not afraid of love. I wear my heart on my sleeve. In fact, I hold it in my hand because it's love I want you to believe. Be not afraid of love. Take off your armor. Put down your mask. Open thy arms to life. We should all smile and laugh. Be not afraid of love, for love is the base of creation. We can share in its abundance. We can give, but love will grow. Love should overflow. Love should be what we all know. Love is what bonds. Love is what holds. Love is what frees and what we can't let go. Be not afraid of love, because love is unafraid of you. Your heart can be desolate, but it's evil love can undo. Be not afraid of love, 
for it's in love with you. Your heart may sing in blue, but it's love that can play the tune. I am not afraid of love. I embrace it with all my might. Shadows cower. They run and they hide when they are faced with love's light. Be not afraid of love, for it's not love that hurts. Love is real. Love we can feel. Love soothes pain, because love can heal. Be not afraid of love. Wear your heart on your sleeve. In fact, hold it in your hand and dare others to believe. Okay, snap some that. So, yeah, okay. Just, just a little something. All right, Mr. Love Jones. Rare. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really dope. Really? And the fact that you have a billion of these. Yes. Oh, wow. So you must write. Away. Are you one of those people that feel you, you have to write something every day? I don't write something every day, uh, but whenever I am overwhelmed and I, it's just creation just hits you. Right. And once you feel it, I don't ignore it. I will go off. And you'll just see me disappear for a little bit, <laughs> and I'm I'm probably off just jotting whatever the the line was or whatever the idea was, whatever it is. Just put just putting it out there. Right. Do you, you do you like hand write these or are you like a I put everything in my phone type of person? I usually hand write them oh, and then okay. transcribe them onto the computer later. Makes okay. Sense. Yeah. Okay. And so now going back to your um, acting chops here, um, in 2013 you started a movie called Ooga Booga, which yes. was one of the keywords earlier. <laughs> yes, um, my first—that uh, was like my first professional breakout film, actually. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so that's about a black man who gets killed by a cop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his spirit and body is a voodoo doll. Yes. And, and so although this is a comedy, I think right now in the climate that we're in, the issue of black men getting killed by cops happens far too often as we're all aware yes um so what do you think about the current state um of police brutality towards black men and at this point even black people (sighs) it is um it is an issue uh i mean blanket statement it's an issue everywhere so i i want to be clear on that um for everyone out there that it is apparent that police brutality uh is affecting everybody hands down they have become far too power-hungry and abusive with their power. But now let's tailor it down. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have known for a very, very long time uh, that black people in general, black men, we have a certain image uh, that has been painted on us. And, I mean, we've always talked about it, right? I mean, as as long as I know from even a kid, I've always heard, you know, black guy walking down the street in a hoodie, you know, a white person walks to the other side. Like, this is this is a stigma that has followed us for a very long time. Right. That's nothing new. Now we're in a situation where we're finding people acting out on those suspicions. Uh, and it's happening far too often, far too frequent. And there is just no need for the trigger to be pulled before the person, you know, like they say, don't judge a book by its cover. So why should we be feeling like we're being judged to the extent, to the extent sorry, that we're being shot before right. the person even knows who we are? Right. That is a problem. And again, it doesn't matter who you are, white, black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, it, it, it doesn't matter. But there's one thing clear, and it's in the facts, and we're all clear on this. It's happening to black men far frequently more so than anybody else. And this is a problem. Why is that? And half the time this is happening with men who are unarmed, Mm -hmm. who aren't doing anything wrong. They're just 
there, existing, living, trying to live. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, and it, no, you you're passionate. I, I am. feel I feel this from you. I feel it from you, and I understand completely. And that's why when I saw like the trailer, it was funny. But I was like, you know what, like. That has to come from a real place who has a black man in America where you're like, okay, I have to play somebody who gets killed by a cop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's rough. And I, the, and I really appreciate the writer um, because Devin is, you know, it, in the movie he's he just became a doctor. You know, he just, he just passed his test. He's going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Life is great. He's in the store, uh, for people who haven't seen the movie, um, he's in the store just minding his own business, trying to celebrate and a guy gets killed by a bunch of thugs who leave. And when the cops arrive, they immediately assume this well-dressed kid is the culprit. Uh, mm -hmm. And whether or not it's that they believe it, they're going to pin it on him because there's just no one else to pin it on. Right. And they're just trying to wrap it up. So, oh, that's so you know, sad. And, they, and then they immediately assume that everyone is going to buy this because it's a black kid. So, of course, people are going to believe the story. And to your point, Megan, too, Ooh. I think that goes into the whole juxtaposition of, you know, is it life imitating art or art imitating right, life? Right, right. You know, so. And there's there's a fine line between them both. There's right. always a little bit of both. It's yeah. a balance. Yes. A balance. So let's talk about some more of your art. Um, <laughs> you are recently on the new movie, in the new movie, Chirac. Yes. Um, it's gotten a lot of controversy and a lot of praise. Really great. Um, what was your thoughts when you first found out that you were going to be playing Oedipus? I was excited, mm -hmm. and Spike knows me. Spike knows that I, <laughs> I love characters. Mm -hmm. I love bringing characters to life. Because uh, before this, I was in a project with him, uh, NBA Two K Sixteen. Oh, we don't talk about that. Oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and the character he gave me in that was just such a delight. Um, so moving into this one, I was excited right. because I knew it was a very particular character, um, and I wanted to bring it justice. Right, uh, but. That's what I enjoy. That's, and that's I, my kid. You know what? I love the fact that if you haven't seen Chirac, it's very, it's in, was it verse form, prose form? Ver, uh, verse. Verse. So it's rhyming. It's very, you know, it's very Shakespearean, but not because you're in modern day yes. <laughs> Chicago. And, you know, you're all these characters, you have Lysistrata. You've got a lot of these Greek characters from the original mm -hmm. movie. Everything was done to pretty much follow. Right. The, 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 the original, even the verse. Right. You know, they, they did a really good job with staying true to mm -hmm. it in that sense. And then Oedipus, of course, if you've ever heard an Oedipus complex, is a man who is, like, in love with his mom. Like, he's yes. a mama's boy. He's, he like, an extreme mama's and... boy, basically. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot going on inside of his head. There is. Yeah. That's good. And then how'd you get involved with the project? With How did you even, like... Did you did Spike approach you and go, "Hey, I have something going on," or what? Like, what was that about? Since you already knew him, was it an agent or like, yeah? How, how I mean, yeah, they they let us know that they were interested in continuing us to work with us, um, and then from there it was just the audition process and then being casted. That was awesome. Yeah. What's it like to work with Spike? Oh, it's great. It's a delight. Um, he he pushes you um, in the sense where he has his vision and he makes his vision very clear. But he also seeks the vision of the actor. And he has this way of just kind of pulling it out of you. And by you just opening yourself and just letting that character flow, uh, he then kind of molds it 
He's like, oh, I, I, I can see what you're doing. Okay. okay. And then he molds it and he molds you into this the the shape that only defines his definition of the film even more so. And then you're looking at his idea and and how it encompasses everything, and you're going like, whoa, how did this happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all through his vision and him just watching what you're doing as well as him being in tune to what he's looking for and then just navigating you. And then by the end, you're just you're dynamite. Right. And by the end, you've got a great movie called Chirac, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he he's splendid. He's splendid. Well, I want to show something. Um, you were mentioning that you were in... Uh, NBA 2K16. Yes. Yes, it's a video game. And wait, was was Spike the director of that, or how did that work? He was a director of a video game. Yes. So like all the parts of it, like when you're playing and then you get to this level or you beat this, then it's like there's like a story that happens, like that kind of stuff. He was directing. Right. So it's 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 segmented. There's the game, and then after so long of playing the game, you have a story that is inserted. Okay. So as you're following, uh, as you're playing through the game, you're following this story. Man, NBA 2K has come a long way since I played it. I think I played like the very <laughs> first one. I'm so... They dumped it. I mean, they, <laughs> they stepped it up. They had Spike do a legitimate movie wow. for the game. That's and you can even, you even create, you literally, you create your own character essentially. Like you, mm-hmm. everything from, from, from like the, the eye color, the eyebrow, the hair, the facial hair, you're creating this, this, Profile, which is, but it ends up being the character in the story. Or you could do a screenshot of yourself and really? it like mocks your face so you can be in the game. Oh my goodness. Okay, we have yeah. to watch this little clip. This is a clip of you in NBA 2K16. You're Vic Van Leer. Vic Van Leer. And we're going to see what it was like for you so, as you're actually doing this and what it showed up on the screen as. Okay, Basquiat's. Let's play that. <laughs> like my dad said, life is short and I just want to deliver it abundantly. I know it hurts. But your life will be better without me. There's nothing holding you down anymore, Freak. I believe in you. And I always look out for you from above, B. Hey, bring that Jesus piece back for you, boy, though. You know, that shuttle's work. That's so dope. I'm sorry. Like, this is so dope to me. Okay, so we can't go through the whole thing, but, like... Obviously, you have on all of what is it called? All of the the movement stuff. Um, it's just a suit. They they call it the suit. Um, the buttons on you are reflectors, and okay. then of course the helmet that you're wearing is the camera. Yeah. Oh, so it literally shows how you're moving and how it like matches up. So, in the entire room, I mean, there's thousands of thousands of these infrared cameras, right? And they're wow. shining this infrared light. And so the reflectors mm-hmm. are catching all this light mm. on all angles. Makes sense. Ah. And so the cameras all around you see every movement that you're doing in a three-dimensional perspective. Oh, wow. Right? Which it's recording into their computers. So then they take that um, along with all the footage that Spike got. Because we, we were filming it like an actual movie. Uh-huh. Um, so Spike was in the space with his crew with the camera. And we were doing it. Legitimately, like a movie. So uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I don't know the technology after that point, but I'm sure there was some uh, cross-referencing going on. That is so cool. Because shot for shot, everything you see, that was Right, that was exactly, spiked, as you're moving. everything. Yeah, yeah that's The push-ins, right. that's, that's all Spike in the camera. And then, like, the fact that, like, you, it looks like you're starting to cry. and like, like, that character actually looks just like you, too. Yeah. The face yeah. and everything. They did such a fantastic they did, job. They did you wrong, that. though, because it looked like you hadn't brushed your hair. No. 
that was the character. Because in real life, you see me, like, I'm, I'm scuffed right, right, out right, because right. That, that was the character for that me. That was dope. And I think that's yeah. a cool way that they're implementing this into the games now because, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of young boys, especially you grow up, who knows where, you know, the, what type of right. economic situation they're in. A lot of these athletes have similar stories to what they're developing in these video games. Yes. Right, right, and so right. it's almost like now they get another way to connect and maybe a sense of hope to to see another player's story, but in a video game. So it's not Grand Theft Auto where they're exactly slapping prostitutes right. and all this other stuff, but they're actually following a character story yeah. and his road to greatness being and, an NBA. And, right. and Spike even said that to us. He he wanted to do something that showed players another side of what it was like to be an NBA star. Right. You know, and, and in this particular case it's who you're associated with in the business. And mm-hmm. people look at that. Who are your friends? Who, who are you running with? How, right. how is that infecting... Um, how is that um, associating with, with how people are viewing you? Your brand. You know, your brand. Yeah. How is that affecting everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a very good insight. Right, right. And so um, another project um, is an independent film, Gina's Journey. Yes, Gina's Journey. Would you play William Grimes? Mm-hmm. A runaway slave who's taken back into slavery. Yes. Um, now, a lot of actors can be hesitant about, you know, especially with there's been a few projects that have happened now um, taken in the setting of slavery. And some actors take, you know, are hesitant about um, taking those roles on. It can be challenging and also the portrayal. Um, so what was your experience like during that film? Well, and I want to touch on uh, the thing before about... Uh, Playing a slave being a touchy thing. Uh, in my opinion, the reason why it's so touchy is because there have been movies that have come out, and generally when they do come out, they focus so much on the brutality of what slavery is. Mm-hmm. And why I liked Gina's Journey so much is it does not focus on the brutality. Of, um, it, it's about his story and about his journey, uh, but not about necessarily what he endured uh, mm-hmm. and having to watch someone just be. Like right. those elements are there, they're but they're there. Yeah. They're they're touched on. They're described, but it's not just slammed in your face over and over and so over it's, again. It's not roots. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> it's like right. we get it. Right, right. we right. know we know what what's going on. Uh, and the movie also uh, parallels another story, which is Gina, which is uh, and I'm excuse me if I get this wrong, uh, but it's his great 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 granddaughter, um, who at a point in her life she was also going through uh, identity crisis in, mm. in the 60s and it wasn't until she found out about her grandfather and about what he went through in his history that she started to really understand uh, the black side of her mm. and started getting into that and starting discovering that and then realizing oh my god this man's story is profound it needs to be told why isn't the story being told and then dedicated her life dedicated her life to telling this man's story and getting it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even now, um, the story is still trying to be suppressed and still trying to be held down, and she's still trying to fight it to get to the surface um, because it's such an amazing story. Right. So in his journey, I found that it was the same sort of thing. You had this man who was brought up in the home, uh, a mixed kid, but he was raised white, then being pulled out of it, thrown into slavery than having to live the life as a black man, having this kind of angst and anger against being a black person because you know how good it is to be a white person, to find your freedom, finding out that your brother, who also lived in the home with you and was black, moved on to do great things because he was never pulled out of the home. Wow. 
having anger about that. Oh, yeah. And then trying to find it in yourself to forgive. Right. You know, even after, because at the end of the, the film, or not the film, but of his life, they find him and they say, you have to pay us $500 because he, he, he eventually runs away and he gets away from, I think it's his 10th or 11th slave master. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he goes through a journey. Um, and he gets away. He lives in, uh, nor- in the north. He starts his own, uh, he adopts a business, uh, starts his own, buys a house, gets married, you know, has kids, living happily. And then they find him, tell him, you got to give us $500, which at that time was like a million dollars, or we're going to pull you back into slavery. He ends up having to sell everything that he owns, everything, leaving him with nothing, and he still came up short. But they they let him go. They still gave him his freedom, but he had nothing after that, Uh, which then he had the idea to, well, I'm going to write the book, and I'm going to sell it. Um, And if... Not for anything, my story will at least be told because people need to know the story. Yeah. But even after that, still having to find it in himself to forgive. Right. That's a lot. That's a heavy story. It's when it went and where can we see that? When um, is that gonna be out? Right now there's nothing, uh no details available as okay. of yet. Uh it's probably going to tour uh festivals That's first. Nice. Uh, okay. but it's looking to have a release sometime this year. Okay. I'm excited. Uh, I want to see that. Yeah. That'll be good. Absolutely. Gina's journey. And William Grimes. The book is William Grimes, A Runaway Slave. I highly recommend it. I've read it three times. Oh, good. I, the journey is wow. Right. That's, there's no you, there's nothing else to explain it. You've played some really great roles. And you know you're new. You're fairly new, I should say, mm-hmm. on the scene. And wh- what do you think would be your dream role outside of the things that you've already played? A dream role. I would say, oh, geez, uh, I've kind of gone through the ladder. Because uh, even, gosh, what would be a dream role? Or even, uh, you know, with that, a, a, a dream, another actor you'd want to be in a movie with or something. I would love to work with Idris Elba right now. Oh, yeah. I would love to work with him. You and me both. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, as far as a role, really, anything, I'm just, I'm so open. Um, because like I said earlier, for me as an actor, it's just, it's all about the inward journey. And so every character that I play, it teaches me something new. Uh-huh. So anything that's thrown at me, I'm, it's a challenge and I'm excited because it's, it's new. So I, I want to do it. And I've, I've done everything. I, I've, I've done everything. I've been an action hero. Well, as far as I'm in a play right now mm-hmm. where I play uh, John McClane from Die Hard. Oh. So that's been fun. So I, I know what it's like to be the tough guy. Um, when does that run? That is, oh, that's currently in theaters right now. We have a show tonight. Oh, wow. Um, at Theater Unleashed right here on uh, Camarillo and Lancashire. Okay. What's the name Down of the, the play? It's uh, Die Hard, a Christmas musical. <laughs> Yes, so it's a comedy, right? Right. Uh, but uh, John McClane, he's pretty, he's straightforward through the whole thing. So okay. it's, it's been, it's been a blast. We were going all through December, uh, and then we just got a January extension. Okay, okay, so wait, I think I caught something here. So it's a musical. Does that mean you sing as well? I do. And then you also you rap <laughs> and you dance, or you're at least you're on, you're attached to dance because we have a there's a nonprofit, right? Yes, juxtaposition that you're on the board for. Yes. So let's talk share about a little about that with us. Okay, so Juxtaposition is a dance company. Um, right now we're focusing on the youth, uh, but it's really open to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, Nair Ruiz, 
um, who is the creator and founder of Juxtaposition. Uh, I, I went to college with her, and I just I love her. She's such a beautiful soul. Um, but as we know, in dance today, there's this whole ideology about, you know, only people of certain body types can do certain things. Like, for instance, in ballet. Right. Ballet is very strict. you got to right. be very thin, and you got to be... You know, a certain amount of flexibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not a professional, so I don't know exactly (laughs) how to the extent. Um, But you definitely have to have a certain framework. Uh, And you can see that in a lot of other types of dance. Well, Nair's belief and what she wants to teach kids is that it doesn't matter what shape you are. It doesn't matter what your body type is. And, you know, again, even going back to race and all this, if you love to dance, you can dance. You can do it. But your body works a certain way. So we need to find how your body works and then kind of train you to use your strengths to your best abilities. Mm. So you can be a ballerina um, and it doesn't matter what size you are. As long as you know your body, how it works, uh, what goes where, you can do it. You just have to train your body for it. That's good. That's just like... uh, prima ballerina Misty, Misty Copeland. Copeland. Yes. Misty Copeland she great. said the same. Her legs. She's like, my legs are huge. They've always been. She's like, I'm, I'm black. I'm a little thick, you exactly. know. But she mm-hmm. now she's a prima ballerina. Exactly. Like, that's because amazing. She, you know, she learned her body. She 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 didn't say, oh, my legs are this way. Right. I can't do it. It's my obstacle. Sorry. Right. She went. No, there's a way around this, and she found it. And that's she's good. beautiful on stage. Yeah. So that's what juxtaposition looks to do and uh right now like i said we're focused on children really trying to get kids to you know just love themselves and not be ashamed and not be afraid and just go out there and do it don't don't listen to all these naysayers and no's and it's impossible it's not impossible yeah it's all possible you know to that point too with misty and everything i think um one thing about people of color in general is we've always had to kind of make our own way right i mean so the world's not handed to you okay my i'm built differently so this is how i'm gonna have to do it Mm -hmm. find it you know yeah that, so you're doing a million things. You're super busy. Are you? Do you have time to date? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I do. Fair enough. Uh, but I don't. And I learned a valuable lesson in my last relationship, um, where I, I can get to know people, but I really I don't have time to get serious. I would love to get serious, but I don't have time to get serious. Right. Right. No. So then, what would you say are your top qualities for a significant other? Love, of course. The the love has to be real. Um, Just, I love smarts. A woman who is educated um, and is a go-getter. A woman who knows what she wants and just goes for it. You see my eyes lighting up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. It's been a pleasure. You've you've exposed so many uh, parts of your your inner self uh, with us today. So go ahead and tell everyone where we can find you on social media. Uh, yes, you can find me on Instagram, which I'm very active on. It's WF Wilson. Uh, and my Twitter, which I just started, uh, which is Wade F. Wilson, um, as well on Facebook. Awesome. Thank cool. you so much, Wade. Thank we you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, make sure you guys go check out Chirac. You can see it on Amazon Prime. You can see it in a few theaters. It's still out. It's awesome. Check it out. Where can we find you? You can find me again. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Not Periscope like you. I'm not that fancy yet. Oh, but at James Ward the third, James Ward I I I. And you can find me Megan Thomas on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope at Meg Scoop like scoop of ice cream. Make sure you guys stay tuned every single week because we always have somebody amazing and use our hashtag BHL next. See you guys next week. Bye.
from producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.